Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Here we go, the 16th school shooting this year, the 10th since Parkland, Florida, in Santa Fe, Texas. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? Here we go on a Monday, May 21. It is the Bill Press Show. Welcome, welcome. Good to see you today. I hope your weekend was uh, a good one. It was a rainy one here in Washington, D.C., except the rain finally stopped yesterday. Uh, Beautiful day, but that wasn't enough to help the Nats. The Dodgers wiping out the Nats this weekend. Oh, my, oh, my. Wherever you are, it's good to see you today, and thank you for joining us. Uh, We'll be, for the next two hours, bringing you up to date on the news of the day, Such as it is here from Washington, D.C., First Lady is back in the White House, and Donald Trump is on a rant claiming that the FBI tried to undermine his campaign by planting a spy, planting a spy right in the middle of Trump Tower there from the FBI to bring down the uh, Trump campaign. We'll find out a little bit later that the FBI was actually helping Donald Trump during the campaign, not hurting him at all, hurting Hillary Clinton, helping Donald Trump. So much to talk about with a great lineup of guests today, and it's good to have all of you with us. So get ready as we go through the news to tell us what you think about it all. You sound off. We want to hear from you. Do so on Twitter. Go on Twitter and send us your comments on Twitter. At BP Show. At BP Show. Lots to talk about. We dive right in, but first. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Yeah. All right. You talked about the Nationals. They did not have a very good weekend. I know. But also, the Washington Capitals had a very oh, bad weekend as well. We talked last week about how they were looking good. They were up two mm, games to mm. nothing against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They have now dropped three in a row over the weekend. They lost their third game in the series. 
which means that Tampa Bay is leading that series three games to two. They play again tonight, and if Tampa Bay wins... Yeah, it's all over. It's over, baby. Hard to come back when you lost three in a row. It's hard to come back, but I, we'll see. We will see. Keep meanwhile, meanwhile, however, we do have one team that's going to be playing in the Stanley Cup Finals. It is the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Mm. They are an expansion team. This is their very first year, and it's the first time ever that an NHL team was an expansion team and is now going to the Stanley Cup Finals. Here's what it sounded like over the All weekend right. when they beat the Winnipeg Jets. Five seconds to go. On the near boards, a tie-up. Two seconds, a centering feed, and it goes wide, and that's it. It's over. The Knights are going to the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, right. Two to one, the final score. Two to one was the final score, and they won that series four games to one. Pretty dominant performance. From so, Vegas. From Vegas. From Vegas. Again, where they're winning hockey is yeah. Vegas and Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they've never seen any ice in either place. <laughs> exactly. The thing is, the betting is pretty rampant there, so that's what they really oh, care okay. about in Vegas. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Remember, uh, it was earlier this month, I guess, that we were talking about that story about Starbucks saying that they called the police on two yeah. African American yeah. men right. that were right. there uh, waiting for a friend. Well, Starbucks over the weekend sent out a letter to their employees saying, quote, any person who enters our spaces, including patios, cafes, and restrooms, regardless of whether they make a purchase, is considered a customer. In other words, you don't have to buy anything to use their restrooms, which mm -hmm. is something that they had hid behind for quite some time, right? right. If, you can't, if you come in here, you got to buy something before you use our restrooms. Starbucks is making a corporate announcement. If you come into our store, you are a customer, and then you are then allowed to use the restroom, use the facilities. And, and you, sit there. And, and sit yeah, there and hang yeah. out if you're meeting somebody or whatever. Right. Yeah. But you can't just throw people out. And one final story, we go to Venice, California, uh, in Los Angeles. There was a guy who was out for a motorcycle ride over the weekend, and he saw... His wife's stolen car being driven by somebody else. So what did he do? Well, he stopped the car. He put his motorcycle in front of the car, stopped it. The woman hit the car. Police were called, but she was arrested. So Whoa. he got the car back. Yeah. Got the car back. A little vigilante up yeah, right there. Yeah, got Good it. for him. This is the Bill Press Show. They planted a spy in my campaign, says Donald Trump, accusing the FBI of implanting a spy into Trump Tower during the 2016 campaign. It is the latest nonsense from Donald Trump. One more great big lie, and we'll see how much, how far he pushes this one. This is just as bad as uh, the fact that Barack Obama tapped my phones at Trump Tower. But he keeps uh, he keeps telling these big whoppers, hoping somebody will believe. His base will believe it. There we go. And what a way to start off on a Monday, Monday, May 21. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us and being part of the program here, the Bill Press Show, as we come out to you live coast to coast from our little studio right here on Capitol Hill. Uh, we got it covered all over this country, what's happening here in Washington, around the country, and around the globe. And for the next couple of hours, we'll be together bringing you up to date on the news of the day. And, of course, we want to hear from you what you think about it all. Send us your comments on Twitter, 
at BP Show. As we join you coast to coast online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. As we join you also on Free Speech TV and, of course, on the radio statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks and all the through the greater Chicago area on the great WCPT, but the progressive voice of Chicago. Uh, tragic, tragic, tragic event, again, this time out in Santa Fe, Texas, where a um, student, 17 years old, uh, entering the school uh, with um, a shotgun and a revolver uh, and taking the lives. The final count was... Ten. Ten. Nine students and nine, excusing it, with Parkland there for a while. Um, nine students and, and one teacher before he was uh, apprehended. Um, it's the same old story. Gun, uh, I, I mean, kids being able to get guns that their parents had bought uh, for whatever reason are going to school. It looks like targeting a former girlfriend, starting out by killing her and then going on a rampage. Uh, one freshman there, a, a young man by the name of Peter Matuza, just a freshman uh, in high school, uh, talking about how he ended up making eye contact uh, with this killer. When I was under that table, I looked up between the legs of a chair, and he locked eyes with me. You made eye contact with I him? I did make eye contact with him, and he had a he had a face of rage. Yep. Uh, the voice that uh, most of us... Uh, that impacted most of us, I think, from uh, among the students uh, in Santa Fe High School was a young woman by the name of Paige Curry. Uh, were you surprised that this would happen in your high school? Uh, no. It's been happening everywhere. I felt, I've always kind of felt like eventually it was going to happen here, too. So, I don't know. I wasn't surprised. I was just scared. Yep. Not surprised. Just scared. That's so sad. It's true. You know, I mean, no, you know, there's I, no high school student or, sadly, no grade school student in the country today. I, I had this conversation with, with my 13-year-old, right, after yeah. I saw this clip because mm-hmm. it sort of went viral over the weekend. Uh, and he was like, this is just something that we think about, mm-hmm. which is kind of terrifying. It is terrifying. I mean, Not kind of terrifying. It's full-blown terrifying. Totally, totally. I mean, to me... I said this on CNN on Friday. I mean, as a father and as a grandfather, the idea that the killing fields in this country have shifted, it was bad enough at movie theaters, shopping malls, right, whatever, to grade schools and high schools. That's That's the thing for me because— That's where this is happening. This is the 16th since the beginning of the year. Mass high school, uh, school shooting. I I saw— one statistic that was saying that we've lost more kids to school shootings this year than we have lost service members in the military and the military and obviously we mourn every death but yeah there's something to be said about kids that are just going to learn going to school versus soldiers who sign up to bravely put themselves in harm's way and so like I don't know where this ends, man. To your point that you were just saying, right? Like, is it is it theaters? Is it airports? Is it where where like we don't know where the bottom is here? It's a race no. to the bottom. Well, I think when it gets to the grade schools and high schools, it's at the bottom. We're at the but, bottom. Yeah, we're at the bottom. Uh, uh, and uh, and again, 
The idiotic response on the part of elected officials is the thing that drives me crazy, starting with the biggest idiot of all, the lieutenant governor of Texas, of course, who says, first of all, I mean, well, I told you we should arm those teachers. We have not done anything to harden the target at our schools, and we still have this gun debate, George, of whether or not teachers this. should be armed or not. I believe, and the parents and the students I've talked to in Santa Fe since Friday believe they should be. I was talking to George Stephanopoulos on, on this week, and he says, I mean, guns? No, we're not going to take the guns because we are guns. They are a part of who we are as a nation. It mm -hmm. is our Second Amendment. You know, it talks about a well-run militia, the Second Amendment. Our teachers are part of that well-run militia, by the way. It's guns that also stop crimes. Uh, he's, oh, God. He, you know, he's what an idiotic so statement. Idiotic, idiotic statement. By the way, he also blamed it on the fact that... Um, um, people, kids watch too many video games uh, and too many of these action-packed, violent video games. As George Stephanoff has pointed out, they play those all over the world. Yeah. Why is it here, right, that kids get guns from their parents because the guns are so readily available and use them to, to kill off their classmates and, and teachers? And idiot Dan Patrick also says... Here's the problem, you know, that it's the Planned Parenthood, yeah, performing all these abortions. That's why these kids were killed in Santa Fe. We throw God out of school. We have 50 million abortions. We have families that are broken apart, no fathers at home. Well, uh, so much for him. Unbelievable. There were a couple of people made some sense. Of all people, the Houston police chief, his name is Art Azevedo. Yeah. He said, here's what we ought to do. These these politicians, like Ted Cruz and John Cornyn and that lieutenant governor and the governor of Texas, who won't do anything about the obvious need. This is the police chief talking, who won't do anything about gun safety. They ought to, we ought to, people ought to go to, the, go to the polls and throw these jerks out of, off, out of office. We need to start using the ballot box and ballot initiatives to take the matters out of the hands of people that are doing nothing that are elected and into the hands of the people to see uh, that the will of the people in this country is actually carried out. And Bernie Sanders really getting passionate on Meet the Press yesterday with uh, Chuck Todd when asked about this latest school shooting. Have you guys done enough in the Senate? Of course not. Of course <laughs> not. But it's like every other issue. The American people are united. Overwhelmingly, gun owners, non-gun owners, on common sense gun safety legislation, expand background checks, do away with the gun show. Then why, have, uh, if loophole. they are, do how come this stuff doesn't man. ever pass? It's a three-letter word. It's the NRA. Yes, you got it. Good for you, Bernie. So sad, sad to see what happens. But uh, unlike Parkland, by the way, the kids in Santa Fe don't seem to be, you know, Upset about that. They, they've lived with guns all their lives. That guns are the culture down there. And uh, seems to be no movement coming out of Santa Fe to join the kids in Parkland. Uh, but the students in Parkland haven't given up. They're still at it. And they're still talking about, again, focusing on 2018 and making gun safety an issue in every congressional race and every Senate race, every state legislative race, and see if we can bring about some changes uh, and get some people in there who will do who will do the right thing. Otherwise, these. meanwhile, I guess I should say these school shootings will, you know, just continue. As Paige Curry said, yeah, it's only a matter of time before it hits your school. I was really encouraged to uh, to see the Parkland students sort of come out after this and yeah, sort of say, offer their advice and, their, and yeah. you know, what we do next and how you move forward. And 
not only politically, but just like spiritually as a kid that has had to watch your friends get gunned down in school, what you do to to move forward with that. Yeah. And meanwhile, um, here on this Monday, May 21, man, I got to tell you, the whole Donald Trump Mueller investigation just went wacko this weekend, these last couple of days. So much coming out at the end of last week. It's hard to keep up with. Where do we start? All right, let's start with the great big story in the New York Times, which was the New York Times on Sunday. You thought the collusion with the Russians, which Robert Mueller is investigating, is bad enough. It turns out there's a whole new uh, level of collusion. This is yet another meeting. So the meeting that Donald Trump Jr. has at Trump Tower with that attorney from Russia who came in because she promised that she had dirt on Hillary. Remember that whole meeting. Jared Kushner was there. Paul Manafort was there. Michael Flynn was there trying to get dirt on Hillary from the Russians. Collusion is what we call that. Well, New York Times is now reporting for the first time that two months later in August, there was yet another meeting at Trump Tower called yet again by Donnie Jr. Uh, and this one, according to the New York Times, was all about getting some dirt on Hillary, doing some oppo research on Hillary, paid for by a firm hired by Saudi Arabia and the Arab Emirates. So at this meeting, Donnie Jr. calls is an emissary who uh, was uh, um, working for the for Saudi Arabia and for the Arab Emirates. Uh, his name was Mr. Nadar, Nader, I guess you call it, Ralph Nader, but not Ralph. Uh, and, um, uh, and they made, basically, uh, made a deal that they were going to do all this uh, social media work on behalf of the Trump campaign. The, these Arab nations offering to pay for this, set it up, on behalf, uh, on their, uh, to, to help Donald Trump win the election. So what do we, I mean, this is, this is stunning. And what do we learn from all of this? Well, first of all, I'm going to point out, again, this is the New York Times. The New York Times are the ones who reported the meeting with the Russian attorney in June. A lot of lot of uh, anger from Donald Trump, calling him the fail, failing New York Times, attacking them for writing that story. Every bit of that story has proven to be true. Every single bit of it about the June meeting. So I just want to point out, you can trust the New York Times reporting on this second meeting as well. It happened. It happened just the way they said it happened with the people who were there. And again, Donnie, Donnie Jr. at the middle of all of it. Number one, trust the New York Times. Number two, what does this prove? It proves that they were willing to collude, if not were colluding, first of all, on, so with the Russians, and now on top of the Russians with these two big Arab nations, the Arab Emirates and, and, and Saudi Arabia. Um, that is huge. That is huge. I mean, the collusion, how could they deny that they were colluding? They were colluding all over the place. You know, and by the way, Mr. Nader is now uh, uh, cooperating with the special counsel, right? So you got Papadopoulos is cooperating now. You got Rick Gates is cooperating now. Michael Flynn is cooperating now. And now we got 
Mr. Nader, who's cooperating with the special counsel. I think the third thing this whole thing proves is, boy, anybody who thought this investigation was going to be over soon, <laughs> man, no. They just keep coming up with stuff. And the plot thickens, folks. Every time you think, okay, we've seen it all play out. Now let's just wrap it up and write our final report. Mm-mm. No, no, no way. Uh, I might also point out that this Mr. Nader who is cooperating, he happens to be the same guy that set up the famous meeting in the Seychelles with Eric Prince. There's that name again. There it is. Eric Prince and a top Russian oligarch, Eric Prince, who was there as a representative of the Trump campaign. So this whole thing, just, man, what a web they weave, man. You know, it is. Whoa. And it, right in the middle of it, I, I'll point out again, Donnie Jr. Yep. Watch. I would not be surprised if he's not if he's not the, uh, uh, the next one. So you got that. In the middle of which, <laughs> in the middle of which comes Donald Trump accusing the FBI of planting a spy uh, in his campaign. Uh, he sent out several tweets. First of all, saying, how, how dare they do this? They implanted a spy in my campaign. It's the first time it's ever been done. It's illegal. And then he follows up yesterday on Sunday by demanding that the Justice Department open a special investigation into the FBI and whether the FBI would have, in fact, uh, tried to undermine his campaign by planting this spy. He wants Jeff Sessions and the Department of Justice to open up a, a point another special counsel, special investigation, just to look into his allegation that there was a spy planted in his campaign. You have that. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I want to read his tweet. This yeah. is from yesterday afternoon. Uh, Sunday afternoon, everybody should be relaxing and hanging out. Not Donald yeah, Trump. Right. No, no, no. He tweets. By the way, First Lady's coming back. No, no, he's busy tweeting. Yeah, he of course. Yeah. Uh, he says, I hereby demand, which mm -hmm. that alone sort of gave me some pause. I hereby demand and will do so officially tomorrow that the Department of Justice look into whether or not the FBI slash DOJ infiltrated our sur or surveilled the Trump campaign for political purposes. And if any such demands or requests were made by people within the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is right. his that is his last tweet. OK, so. When he comes out with this spy thing um, on, uh, I think it was on Friday, on Saturday, the Washington Post and the New York Times immediately shot it down. Here's the New York Times article I clipped out over the weekend. The headline is, Trump distorts role of informant in campaign. So all this talk about the spy, here's what really happened. First of all, did they put a spy in his campaign? No. Hell no. Remember, this is Donald Trump. Who said that Hillary, 5 million people voted illegally for Hillary? No proof. This is Donald Trump who said he had the largest crowd of the inauguration ever, ever, ever in history. No proof of that. We know. Yeah, proof it, it's wrong. Uh, and now this latest one, that, that they planned a spy in his campaign. As the New York Times and the Washington Post point out, no, there was no spy in the campaign. Here's what there was. There was an informant, meaning there was a guy working for the FBI who talked to three different people in the Trump campaign about their contacts with Russian operatives. 
Those three people were George Papadopoulos, Carter Page, and the co-chair of the campaign, Sam Clovis. Now, why were they talking to them? They were talking to them because they had been, the FBI had been told that there were members of the Trump campaign who were one particular, who happened to be George Papadopoulos, Papadopoulos who was in London, had a meeting with the Australian ambassador where he bragged about the fact that they were getting all kinds of dirt on Hillary Clinton from Russian operatives to help Donald Trump win the campaign. It is illegal for foreign nations to get involved and interfere in American elections. So as part of their looking into this criminal activity, there was an informant from the FBI who, who went and talked to these three advisors or three campaign people uh, of Donald Trump. That's what Donald Trump is referring to. But the idea, getting, here's what I think the, the media is totally missing the big picture here, and I want you to understand. Here's what's important to know about this. It's not, was there a spy? No. Okay, was the FBI looking into the campaign? Yes. Who was this informant? That's what everybody's focusing now on. We know it was some professor who was involved somehow and then met one of these guys, and he was he did, in addition to being professor, he did some, you know, uh, investigative work for the FBI. Everybody's trying to know who was he and who paid him and how much time did he spend all that. No, no, no. You're missing the big picture. The big picture is the FBI. Don't look at the trees and miss the forest here. The big picture is the FBI was investigating the Trump campaign during the 2016 election for possible illegal activity, criminal activity. Yes, they were investigating Hillary Clinton at the same time about her emails. Here's the difference. We all knew that they were investigating Hillary Clinton. That was a real problem for the Clinton campaign because in just about every sentence about the Clinton campaign were the words FBI and criminal investigation. Remember those days? Depending on who you ask, yeah, they would say that that is the reason that Hillary Clinton lost right. the election. And I remember talking to so many Democratic strategists who said it's hard to run a campaign when every, every paragraph, every story, certainly, about her campaign says she's under criminal investigation by the FBI. But the point I'm making is, folks, at the same time, the FBI was investigating Donald Trump. He was also under criminal investigation by the FBI FBI, at the same time. But we knew about the Clinton campaign or the Clinton investigation. We did not know about the Trump investigation. James Comey, I keep coming back to that. Don't worship James Comey. James Comey made the decision to tell the public about the Clinton Clinton investigation and not to tell the public about the Trump investigation. So, Donald Trump is saying the FBI hurt him by having this guy talking to members of his staff. No, the FBI helped Donald Trump enormously by keeping that investigation secret. Let me tell you, if that word had come out that Donald Trump was under criminal investigation by the FBI, this election might might have had a different outcome. Certainly. There was no reason, no reason for James Comey to keep the Trump investigation secret Having already having already told the public about the Clinton investigation. Now the rules of the Justice Department is if you're investigating, there's an election going on, 
you don't talk about it. But here they did something worse. They talked about one, but they didn't talk about the other. Who benefits from that? Donald Trump benefits from that. So keep your eye on the big picture. The big picture is Donald Trump was under criminal investigation by the FBI during the 2016 campaign, and he still is. He still is today. That's the big story here. So Donald Trump says, we want the uh, Department of Justice to launch a special investigation. Well, they called his bluff yesterday. Uh, Deputy uh, uh, Attorney General Rod Rosenstein said, okay, well, we'll ask our inspector general who's already looking into what the FBI was doing during the 2016 campaign to add this to his list of things to look into. Uh, that's about as far as they go. That, that may not satisfy Donald Trump, but that's as far so far as the Department of Justice is willing to go. But when you hear about this spy, please, please keep that in mind. First of all, no spy, but there was an FBI investigation underway, and we should have known about it. Voters should have known that Donald Trump already at that time was suspected of reaching out to foreign countries against the law to get their help in his campaign. Uh, meanwhile, on that front, Rudy Giuliani's loose lips again. Rudy Giuliani, he is out there. Yes, indeed. Now he says his ladies. Remember, he had this. So he had this meeting because he used to. Robert Mueller used to work for Rudy Giuliani when he was U.S. Attorney in New York. So he's got this relationship with Mueller. He's hired by Donald Trump to handle the whole question of whether or not Donald Trump will sit down for an interview with Robert Mueller. And he has a meeting with Mueller, and ever since then, all Rudy Giuliani's been doing has been leaking everything that was discussed at that meeting. Remember he said that uh, um, last week uh, that Mueller believed he could not indict a sitting president of the United States, would not indict a sitting president of the United States. Now he is saying that Robert Mueller plans to wrap up his investigation— wrap up the obstruction of justice part of the investigation by September 1. That's the new thing. Read between the lines. And then Rudy Giuliani told Bob Costa from the Washington Post over the weekend in a telephone interview, oh, what I meant was he'll wrap it up by September 1 if, if Donald Trump sits down for an interview with Robert Mueller. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Uh, that's a pretty big if. That's a pretty big if when you realize that Rudy Giuliani himself has said the president should not sit down with Robert Mueller. He also said they couldn't prepare him for it if they wanted to, to sit down with Robert Mueller without telling a big lie and without committing perjury. So Rudy Giuliani, who recommends that there not be any meeting, says it'll be all over by September 1 if if there is a meeting. You can't believe a word. You can't believe a word that Rudy Giuliani says. No. So, shock. Yeah, shock. Uh, that's the latest. Don't forget to send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. And um, <laughs> uh, I just got to, I want to just end this first segment here with um, uh, one admission. I was wrong. I, wow, I, I made, I'm not used to this. I know. I made fun of the wedding all last week. I would not have gotten up to watch the wedding Saturday morning, but I had to get up because I was doing the McLaughlin Group, which is back in Washington, D.C., and hopefully will be 
world, uh, nationwide, worldwide pretty soon. So I was at NBC Studios or Channel 7 Studios Saturday morning. I watched a lot of the wedding. It was beautiful. It was. Ray, help me out here. It was absolutely beautiful. They really know how to. Pageantry, man, the Brits have it. It was, I thought, marvelously orchestrated. It was, it was, it was, it was very touching, and um, I, I, I'm glad I got to see part of it. And good for Megan and good for Harry. Ray said that the flower wall trellis was magnificent, and the cake spectacular. Claire Patak and the cake. And she said it was stunning. Yeah, I, I, I. And the carriage ride around there. No, it was, and the the ceremony and the music. And by the way, Megan's touches. You know, having the Africans preacher from Chicago. Uh, and it, it, it was it was very, very, very well Are done. Are you feeling okay? I'm feeling okay. No, I just want to say. You're of and, sound mind and body here this right, morning to so praising I, the royal wedding? Right. I, this is so weird for me. I don't I, know what I, to do. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I just want to admit that I'm wrong. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, and, I'm not going to admit that I was wrong. <laughs> but then again, I didn't watch any of it on purpose, so I'm not going to say that it was again, terrible. I I'm would say I still don't care. Again, I wouldn't have. But I was there. I understand. And I got wrapped into it. I got into it. I got to tell you, it was, it was very beautifully done. And so we want to, we'll just end with the Archbishop again. The Archbishop making it official. In the presence of God and before this congregation, Harry and Meghan have given their consent and made their marriage vows to each other. They have declared their marriage by the joining of hands and by the giving and receiving of rings. I therefore proclaim that they are husband and wife. There you go. By the way, some interesting guests. Oprah was there. George Clooney was there. Uh, I Elton, would have jo- Elton John I, was there. I would have watched if I had known that Oprah was going to be yeah. <laughs> And she had a beautiful hat on, too. I'm oh, yeah. sure. Oh, the That's hats a were, thing over the hat, there. The hats, were, the hats alone were worth watching for. All right. That's fair. Great lineup of guests today. Zach Beecham will be here from Vox a little bit later. Eugene Scott here is a friend of Bill for the next hour from the Washington Post. We start out with Julia Manchester from the Hill on all the news of the day. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back here. Monday edition of the Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, how about it on a Monday morning? Whoa. Monday, May 21. um, With so much news going on, it is the Bill Press Show. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And our studio on Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters. We love those men and women of our firefighting departments around the country who keep us safe. We count on them. They never let us down. They're on the front lines protecting American families every day of the year under uh, the leadership of President Harold Schaefberger. Uh Check out their website at IAFF.org. Uh, and uh, when you see those trucks rolling by, just give them a big wave on behalf of the uh, Bill Press Show uh, in studio with us, Julia Manchester, now from The Hill. She just covers everything at The Hill, and (laughs) we'll have everything to talk about. Hi, Julia. It's good to see you. Hi, good to see you, too. Yeah, and uh, so far, uh, Peter, we've been uh, out there stirring it up and uh, with a little response here from our good friends. Yes, indeed. We're on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Lots of comments on a number of different topics today. Uh, Let's start out with the collusion stuff uh, with Donald Trump. Joey says, nobody, and I mean nobody from my campaign has had anything to do with the Russians. Never met them. Oh, yeah. Never met with them or even talked to them. Believe me. Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. Uh, That is a comment from Joey. 
Uh, also, on your comments about James Comey, uh, lots of people uh, weighing in on that. Uh, Malcolm says it's so true. Comey never was a hero. I'm not buying that book. <laughs> and Bob says this is an interesting wrinkle to it, right? He's not wrong, but he says Comey's an idiot. But who's the bigger idiot, James Comey or Loretta Lynch and Bill Clinton? There's no Comey without the tarmac meeting, and Hillary is somewhat more electable. The media stopped reporting the tarmac shortly after it occurred. Sure, surely you'll never, surely you'll never hear Hillary supporters mention that. And the tarmac meeting was a colossal mistake, but still, total. James Comey keeping still, I think keeping the the Trump investigation secret while he blabbed about the Hillary investigation. Yeah. He was taking sides. He was playing politics. And you admitted <clears throat> that you were a fan of the royal wedding over the weekend. Phil says the royal wedding may have been beautiful, Bill, but it's still a billionaire family that didn't earn its money and pay zero taxes oh, simply because that. of their name and bloodline. I agree with that. So just, just, with that. just, just a counterpoint. What did I say? I wasn't <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. It just, we just Phil had to put just, that out there. Okay. So there you right. go. If you have a comment, find us on Twitter at BP Show, BP Show. Uh, leave us a comment on any topic at any time. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Including uh, the royal wedding. Including the royal wedding. <laughs> uh, I just want to point out that uh, I may have said that I just accidentally ended up watching the wedding because I happened to be at the studios of Channel 7 to tape the McLaughlin show Saturday morning. I did not have a watch party at my house. I did not get up <laughs> at 4 in the morning to have to invite friends over to have a watch party at my house. <laughs> But I know who did. Yes. Wait, did you really? I did. I did. Yeah. I have two friends in the area that are from York, northern England. They came over. I have other friends that came over who were Anglophiles like myself. We drank champagne, Earl Grey tea, scones, the whole shebang. At it was four wonderful. in the morning. Yeah, four in the morning. I'll oh, say this. Yes. There I'll you go. This. Okay. Yes. Any reason to drink at inappropriate times. <laughs> right. Yes. I'm on board with. Exactly. So, like, I actually appreciate that more than people who were just watching it. Okay. Well, did did it meet your expectations? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, on a serious note, I do think, you know, in the backdrop of the Santa Fe shooting and, you know, the constant, dis, you know, I think on both sides of the pond, the political anxiety, I think this was really nice to have something that everyone could kind of rally around and watch. It was a very nice show of pageantry, spirituality, and love. I, I thought it was wonderful. But I'm also proud of what this, my adopted state of California, right. this Californian yes. and this American woman brought to the royal family. Absolutely. I mean, she shook them up. That, that, that she made her mark in that wedding absolutely, ceremony. Absolutely, absolutely. That the bishop alone from Chicago oh who my gave that. Yeah, yeah and I have to say, you know, when I read the what music they were playing and I saw oh, there was a gospel Oh, Stand By choir. Me? I know. Well, at first I saw that before I saw the wedding. Yeah. I was like, oh, how, well, how is this going to work? This is an Anglican church. Oh. This might be a little awkward. No, it was perfect. It was absolutely It was fantastic. Loved it. Yeah, there's some head spinning in the church. I right, think, absolutely. Some of the choice of music. <laughs> yeah, no, that was good. Right. Definitely. Uh, so what do your British friends tell you about uh, the reception that Donald Trump is going to get when he uh, goes to England. Then. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's um that's a tricky question because I think um it depends who you talk to in Britain. I think there are very pro nationalistic right-wing British voters who very much like Donald Trump and like what he's saying. The Brexit crowd. The Brexit crowd, absolutely. Yeah. But 
When he's going to London, that'll be interesting because I could definitely see very much widespread protests happening. The mayor of London and Donald Trump very publicly don't like each other. Yeah. Um, so I think Theresa May's walking this uh, fine line with trying to appease everyone because it's the United States and the United Kingdom. You have to have some sort of camaraderie and um, connection between the two countries. But I think with Donald Trump and his rhetoric on the UK, I mean, I, I'm always reminded about the his comments about the new embassy. That always makes yeah. things a little awkward. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. And I could be completely wrong. Maybe it goes off without a hitch, but... Well, I'd, I'd uh, we'll see. We'll be surprised. <laughs> so we wake up uh, yesterday morning to the New York Times, a uh, huge article uh, under the headline, Trump inquiry grows to include contacts in the Gulf. Yes. So yet there's yet another meeting at Trump Tower called by Donnie Jr. Right. Uh, this one not with Russian operatives, but this one with um, a person representing right. Saudi Arabia and the Arab Emirates. Right, right. And there was also, do, yeah. also a representative from Israel, like an Israeli. Uh, that's yeah, right. That's right yeah. too. So, uh, so what do we make of this meeting? Uh, what was the purpose and what does it mean? Right, right. So I think it essentially means, you know, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, how this pans out because it's still, you know, a, a representative of the campaign reaching out to a foreign government or having contact with a foreign government. And it means that other government... To help to help Trump Trump win the campaign. And it means that other governments besides the Kremlin were trying to exert influence into the campaign. And it was it'll be interesting because if Donald Trump Jr. said, I don't want anything to do with this, you know, back off or whatever, that's one thing. But if there was this continuing correspondence between the two parties... That'll be well. He didn't say. He, yeah, back. he didn't. He didn't. No, no. I mean, but every indication we have is right. Not that they got anything. Right. But they were hoping to exactly, get stuff. exactly. And it seems like this is a continuing pattern with Donald Trump Jr. This is you know yet another Trump Tower meeting with a foreign yeah, right. um, official. So um, or someone with a foreign connection. So he's. You know, he's someone who I think is going to be continued to have a lot of scrutiny on him throughout this entire process. And, um, yeah, it's all, all fingers are really not finger. I don't want to say, but signs are really pointing to him that and I think the Trump President Trump can easily say, well, I didn't know about this, whatever. This was my son. He's still a representative of his campaign. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. But, yeah, there's still lots of questions about the June meeting with the Russian right. representatives, uh, particularly, I think, two big questions. One is, who had this blocked number right. that Donald Trump called immediately after the meeting to right, report right. on the meeting? And the, the, the conversation, I mean, sometimes a blocked number calls you and it's what, a, a wrong number or like, oh, hey, mm-hmm. I can't talk right now. This was a conversation. Yes. So. And this was Donald Trump calling the yes. block number, not yes. a block number yes. calling, yes. calling him. Right. You know, it's so funny. I was on, um, I forget, one of the shows over the weekend, and um, up against somebody else, and they were saying, oh, that's ridiculous about this block number. Lots of people have blocked numbers. My mother has a block number. And I said, that, that makes a point. Your mother has one and his daddy has one, right? Right, <laughs> right. If you want to be transparent... You're not going to be calling on a blocked number. So. Right. But so that's one big question. The other is still who wrote the statement on Air Force One coming home from Europe? 
Absolutely. Uh, that this meeting, in response to the New right. York Times story, that this had nothing to do with the campaign. It was all about adoption. Right, right. And there's a whole and, cast of characters yeah. that could have written it. I think right. Ivanka I think and Jared Ivanka were Ivanka and Jared were right. there uh, up front with the president. Mm-hmm. The president himself might have been involved. Uh, Sean Spicer has said he was in the back of the plane. He was not invited to this little session. The press secretary... Yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> he is very happy that he was not involved in that. I'm you know, sure he, he, he I'm was, sure he is. He, he was in the back of the plane, and he's happy he was in the What back. an interesting dynamic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. The back the so back to this meeting on uh, um, with this, with this, um, with the second, the, the second meeting, um, the, the August, the, the August meeting put together by this Mr. Nader. Yes. Who is we're, we learn from the New York Times uh, actually cooperating with the special counsel? Right, right, yeah. So well, that'll be interesting to see how that pans out. And it's interesting because Rudy Giuliani saying, "Oh, this is going to wrap up by September." Well, I wonder what this, how this news plays into it, and this will extend that. I think this is definitely could throw a little uh, mixture. Into but Rudy, all this. yeah, and we mentioned this a little bit earlier. Uh, I, what I didn't realize uh, until I read the one of the papers this morning, is that there's a big if. Oh, I know. It was Jonathan Swan reported last night on right. Axios, actually. Yes. There's a big if, and the big if is it'll end by September if Donald Trump sits down yes. with Robert Mueller. Yes. And, and Rudy Giuliani says that, and he's the one who's recommending that Donald Trump not sit down with absolutely. Robert Mueller. And Giuliani has also said there's has to be all these strict parameters to the interview. Oh, yeah. You can only ask this question. It has to be this, you know, time, two, two questions. Two questions. Yes. Two questions, right. Yes. So, and I don't think... <laughs> Given how you imagine? Thir- well, given You're how thorough, to two questions. <laughs> given how thorough Robert Mueller's yeah. uh, is and his reputation for being so thorough, thorough and detailed oriented, I don't think he'd want to ask the president of the United States, who plays a big role in all of this, just two questions. Uh, no, no, absolutely no. not. So, no, no, right, no. Rudy. If Rudy is leaking, leaking, leaking about everything he says, they talked about at this meeting and everything that was said. You notice the special counsel's investigation has said absolutely nothing. Yeah. Right. You know, they're not going to. Rudy is trying to get them to uh, right. um, play this game of we're going to play it out in the media. In the media, on television. yes. And Robert Mueller doesn't play that game. No, no absolutely not, not. No, not at all. But there's one other aspect of this bis- of this meeting at Trump Tower I want to ask you about because um, so you've got the first meeting with this big Russian that was set up by the press guy that worked for this big Russian oligarch who helped with the Miss Universe contest. Mm-hmm. I forget whatever his name was. And and this second meeting was with someone who was representing the king or the crown prince of Saudi Arabia and the leading mm-hmm. leader, whoever he is, of the Arab United Arab Emirates. Right, right. Um, to what extent do you think these were like business deal? But what Donald Trump was looking for was business deals. I mean, I was thinking about this, like, maybe part of the meeting was, okay, we may not win this election, but if we don't, we're going to have, we're going to score some big business deals. With yeah, these guys. yeah. Well, the Trump organization definitely has ties to the Gulf. And I think that's very well known. And they wanted to build properties there. Build properties. Yeah. But, you know, looking back, so I, I, I saw this interview, this meet, uh, the news of this meeting, but looking at all the policies Trump has done with the Gulf, you have this huge defense deal with Saudi Arabia, how everyone, you know, the isolation <coughs> of Qatar. Yeah. Um, going to Israel, because in Israel, you know, someone connected to Israel was involved in this meeting, the Jerusalem um, mm-hmm. decision. Mm-hmm. You know, I think 
it's interesting to see it how all this ties all, together. It's all, it seems like it all ties together. But yeah, absolutely. The Trump organization has so many ties to the Gulf. Right. Definitely. But I can't confirm if that was. No, it's just, yeah. Yeah, I, and I think that that may be the path that Mueller right. is on. I mean, he's because all these, you know, all these things, you know, what were, to what, to what extent did the business interests influence uh both getting people involved in the campaign. It's very possible. And making business deals beyond. Yes, it's very possible. And I think Donald Trump Jr., I think from the start, he knew he would be taking over his father's business or, you know, after the campaign. So this could have been, I don't want to speculate too much, but I think he was definitely preparing for or played a role in preparing for that. So Yeah, because we have to remember uh, at their, at that time, they didn't think they were going to win either. No. Right. I mean. No. No. Yes. Absolutely. So I think. Yeah. I think. So they were think. I. I. I'd be willing to believe. I do believe they were thinking more business deals mm-hmm. than they were White House. Right. Right. And but I think their the policy, real motivation yeah. was how much money can we get out of these guys to to build a Absolutely. Trump Tower in Dubai or something? Yeah. Very possible. What it was all about. Yeah, I think that usually comes down to that with yeah. this group, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think that that's an unsafe bet. Uh, now, what's different is that that's still their probably primary motivation, even though they did win, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know they're still making business deals. Right, right. Eric Trump, Donald, they're <clears> off. <throat> they're there so much. So they're still very much tied to that. Um, the Department of Justice, Donald Trump has demanded. <laughs> That the yes. Donald Trump, uh, um, but that the Department of Justice today, and if he doesn't do it, maybe this is his excuse to fire Jeff Sessions, that they start a new investigation uh, into the FBI spying, planting. A, he actually said implanting a spy in right. his campaign headquarters at Trump Tower. Yeah, that's what he said. Um, we see Rod Rosenstein saying, well, we're going to look into this. Well, I think that's Rod Rosenstein's way of saying, okay, I'm going to appease you for a little bit. Let's see, you know, give it right. a little leeway. Um, but there was, I guess, evidence that there was a, a informant with ties, um, Russian ties, in the campaign who had met with Carter Page and George Papadopoulos. And he wasn't in, but I, think, I, just, I disagree. He wasn't in the campaign. In the campaign, he yeah. Was he was an FBI informant FBI who was infor- talking to talking, people yes, in yes, the campaign. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, and they were, he was investigating George Papadopoulos, not investigating, but talking to them. Um, and I think that's a big difference to saying it's politically motivated. And I think that's the key thing everyone needs to remember because the president is, you know, definitely suggesting suggesting Obama's FBI did this for political purposes when it could have been for national security reasons. Yeah, right. right. And again, his initial and, and I think continued assertion is that they planted a spy. You know, in other words, they got a guy to pretend to be who he wasn't to get a job in the Trump campaign. Yes. Who was there spying on them and reporting back to the FBI? Right. Everybody, everybody reports that did not happen. Absolutely. Right? Yes. What there was is the FBI. So we talked about this a little bit earlier. What I think the big picture here is that and gets lost with all the talk about who was the informant and who is he working for mm-hmm. and what was his name and he was a professor and where all that stuff is. I think the big picture is that the FBI was conducting an investigation of the Trump campaign for 
of possible criminal activity yes. during the 2016 campaign. They were investigating the Trump campaign for criminal activity. They were also investigating the Hillary campaign for alleged criminal activity related to her emails. Okay, so there were two investigations. Both candidates were under investigation by the FBI at the same time. Right, and only one got publicized. Exactly, yes. that's my point. Right, that's right. what I we ought to be talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I want to say I think there are so many factors that affected the outcome of the 2016 election, but. Hillary, the investigation of Hillary, Hillary's campaign definitely got so many headlines and definitely probably affected um, how people voted, how people perceived her campaign. Absolutely. And it would have been interesting to see how that affected Donald Trump's campaign. I do think um, Donald Trump's base is slightly different in that, I, you know, I think with all of the Mueller stuff right now, I don't know if the base would have necessarily cared about that. But swing voters, very much so. So it's a big what if question. Swing voters, very much so. And swing voters, I think, were very much influenced by the reopening of the Hillary investigation on October 28th. Absolutely. So uh, close that, to the election. So close to the right. election. And, Donald, and and that was, again, James Comey's decision. And, right. And, and, and he felt whatever reason. But, yeah. And he says he thought he had to do it because otherwise it would have looked like that they were trying to influence the election or play politics. But, but all the time, you heard me say this earlier, they were playing politics right. with... Um, with a, by keeping the Trump thing secret. Yeah. By the way, there's one other, uh, we, we didn't talk about this earlier, but there was one other, uh, I thought, interesting <laughs> development in terms of somebody speaking out about Donald Trump. Donald Tusk yes. is, is the uh, head of the European Union. Right, right. So Donald Tusk had some very interesting, first of all, I love the fact it's, Donald Tusk versus Donald Trump. It's a Trump. little confusing sometimes. Totally. Yeah, totally. DT. Totally. It's the dueling Donalds. <laughs> right, yes. right. DT versus DT. Yes. But so Donald Tusk gave this speech to the European Union, mm-hmm. I think Thursday or Friday, whatever, where he talked about Donald Trump's well, the pulling out of the Iran deal. Right, right, right. right. Uh, he, he called Donald, I love this phrase, he called Donald Trump's foreign policy, he described it as Capricious assertiveness. <laughs> now, that's a phrase that no American politician no, would ever use. Right? Donald Trump so is eloquent. still Googling it to try and figure out what the hell it means. I know. I'm pretty sure that. Yeah. Capricious assertiveness. I, I just sort of love that phrase. At any rate. But then he ended up by saying, with speaking of Donald Trump, with friends like these, who needs enemies? Oh, Whoa. Well, yeah. I, you know, I never thought I'd live to see the day the European, you know, the chief of the European Council would be going after the president of the United States so publicly. Right. Like yeah. that. You know, even Our, Merkel and Macron and, and Theresa May. Tempered. Th- yeah. yeah. They said that that was a mistake to pull out the Iran deal. They were going to try to keep it together. But this Donald Tusk, he just went out and said, no, no, no. Right. This is, uh, right. Uh, and, um, and he said they are going to try to keep it together. But but he also realizes that Donald Trump has threatened sanctions against yes. France and the U.K. and Germany if they continue doing business with Iran. Yes. If their companies continue doing business with Iran. Yeah, yeah. That's um, 
That's bizarre. That, that I, <laughs> I never thought I'd see that myself, the president of the United States, threatening sanctions on those countries. But um, I think the European right now, there's a lot of frustration in the European Union because there is a lot of dysfunction within the union itself. Um, UK is most likely going to leave in the next couple of years. So that process keeps getting delayed. Um, and I think they're trying to keep it to them together themselves, trying to have a unified front. And here comes the United States making this momentous decision and pulling out of the Iran deal. And that affects their business interests as well. And I think they're also frustrated because Russia and China are also involved with this as well, trying to do business with Iran. So you have this weird competing of Western and Eastern forces and this and Iran's in the middle. Right. Now, uh, and and you mentioned about, I can't figure out this Brexit vote. Okay, they voted. They were going to leave. I think it was a wrong vote. They yeah. still haven't done it. They still haven't done it. It's like there seems to be Will they road, ever? It seems like there's roadblock after roadblock. I mean, I think they have to at some point. I'm no expert on British politics, but they voted. Okay. Well, you had a busy weekend, Julia. <laughs> not not just with a work weekend, not to mention the, the real wedding party, too. Thanks so much for coming Thank in. Thank you. Eugene Scott from The Washington Post joins us as a friend of Bill this coming up, so don't go away. The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. They planted a spy in my campaign, says Donald Trump. Yeah, if you believe that, you also believe you have the biggest crowd ever, ever in history at his inauguration. Hello, everybody. What do you say on a Monday, Monday, May 21? Great to see you today. It is The Bill Press Show. And we are coming to you live from Washington, D.C., as always, our studio right here on Capitol Hill. Hope you had a great weekend. Coming out of the weekend, we got a lot of news to talk about on many, many, many different fronts today. Rudy Giuliani says that Robert Mueller is going to wrap it all up and tie it with a bow by September 1. Yes, Donald Trump not only insisting that the FBI planted a spy in his campaign in Trump Tower, but he's demanding that Attorney General Jeff Sessions uh, launch a new investigation today into uh, the FBI's actions uh, by putting that spy uh, in his campaign. And the New York Times reporting uh, that Donald Trump not only had a big meeting uh, to get some dirt on Hillary with some Russian operatives, but he had another meeting with some operatives from um, the Gulf nations, Arab nations in the Gulf. Man, how do we keep up with it all? Only with the help of our good friend here from the Washington Post. Here with us for this hour is a friend of Bill, the one and only Eugene Scott. Mr. Scott. 
Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Glad to be here. It's been a while. Ready to go. I know it has. Yeah. Yeah. I thought maybe you didn't like us anymore. That's not even close to true. (laughs) That's not even close to true. It has been a wild ride this weekend, right? Just keeping up with the news. This weekend, I was um, on air uh, at MSNBC where I ran into you yesterday. We were both on uh, MSNBC yesterday morning with Alex Witt. Yeah, we were. And we were talking about- the warm-up act for me. Oh, please. People were asleep when when they (laughs) they hear your voice and wake up. And and we were talking about this Trump Jr., Trump Tower story when the president tweeted- Wow, uh, we were on air. I know. And and he said, you know, they can't find anything with Russia, so they're just looking everywhere else around the world. Where they're looking everywhere else around the world, because people from elsewhere in the world were at Trump Tower as well. I know, I know. So, boy, we have to get into all of that with your help. Don't forget, love hearing from you. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, Eugene and I will be joined by Zach Beecham, by the way, from Vox, uh, a little bit later in the program. Uh, and we'll jump right into it. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Let's talk some sports. We talked about the NHL. We talked a little Major League Baseball. Let's talk a little more Major League Baseball because this is fascinating. St. Louis Cardinals have a pitcher by the name of Jordan Hicks. He's a rookie right-hander. And yesterday, he threw a couple of pitches. Again, a couple of pitches that registered 105 yeah, miles per right, hour on right. the radar gun. He's a relief pitcher, isn't he? Or, yeah, he is he? yeah, he is the first pitcher to throw multiple pitches at that speed in the same game in the past 10 seasons. In fact, there's only one pitcher now who has ever even hit the 105 mile per hour uh, on the radar gun even once. That's Aroldis Chapman for the New York Yankees. And this guy's a rookie this guy is a rookie, and so, he's flinging that kind of uh, heat. Has anybody hit one of those 105s? No, they didn't hit the 105s. They did not hit the 105s. Uh, but, like, pretty what? impressive, man. Yeah. You couldn't pay me enough to, to get in front of a 105-mile-per-hour uh, pitch, man. No way. I, I, I want to see where it would end up if somebody had, I mean, right? If it goes out as fast as it's coming in. Yeah, right. Good point. <laughs> By the way, while we're on the sports desk, yes. uh, the NBA playoffs continue. Uh, last night, the Western Conference Finals, the Rockets and the Warriors. None of these games have been particularly close, by the way. They've all been blowouts. Rockets won one. Uh, uh, Warriors won another. Last night, game three, the Warriors won 126 to 85. Whoa. So they now lead that series two games to one. Uh, so I want to make a prediction that the NBA playoffs will be concluded by September 1. <laughs> Maybe. maybe, maybe between that and the Mueller investigation, sure, it's, it's got to end sometime. They wrap up at the same time. Yeah, they go on forever, Bill. This is the Bill Press Show. Here we are on a Monday, Monday, May 21. Hello, friends and neighbors. Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. It is the Bill Press Show. Hour number two from Washington, D.C. Well, that's where we start out, but actually we end up uh, right wherever you happen to be in this great land of ours, coast to coast also, not just here in the United States, around the globe. Um, And it's good to see you as we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash Bill Press Show. 
those of you watching on television on uh, DirecTV, on Free Speech TV, we welcome you. And especially great to see our good friends out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago, with the news of the day. And uh, we all jump through it and look forward to hearing from you and get your reaction to the news of the day on Twitter, at uh, BP Show. Eugene Scott is a political reporter for The Fix uh, at Washington, D.C. Um, he's sort of like Michael Cohen. He's the fixer. Um, <laughs> I am not being uh, investigated or in some difficult situations. Yeah. What, a compliment. No, no, no. <laughs> what a compliment. <laughs> but we right. do try, uh, as a Bill Press hinted, to provide analysis to what is actually happening yeah. over at yeah. The Fix. Um, and uh, follow us on Twitter. Yeah. There you go. Uh, how? At the fix. At the fix. Yes. Okay. Are right. you not following us? Well, I'm just saying. Oh, okay. I just want okay. you to don't keep enough. it a secret. Fair make, enough. Make I was sure really insecure knows. in that moment because I'm following <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now you and I were again uh, yesterday morning uh, with Alex. Well, I love Alex. Witt, yeah, she's awesome. She she's really, really awesome. Been doing it a long time, and she's just great. Uh, on Sunday morning on uh, on MSNBC, uh, and both of us in the middle of this. News that hit the New York Times mm-hmm. yesterday morning. Yet another meeting at Trump Tower. Yeah. Uh, called by, yet again. Yeah, Trump Jr. Trump Jr. Yeah. Uh, with some representatives with ties to Saudi Arabia, UAE, and Israel. Right. Yeah. So this is on top of the earlier meeting, two right. months earlier, at Trump Tower, called by Donald Rep- Jr. Yeah. With representatives from Russia. Russia right. And yeah. the goal was, of course, to get information about Hillary Clinton and the campaign to eventually use uh, during the campaign. Um, and uh, it's not clear yet what actually was uh, done or accepted, but the offer was there and the interest was there. Um, and, you know, the same concerns that I think people had. Uh, about an American campaign willing to work with a foreign government to get background information um, on an American <laughs> opponent probably exists in the same situation. But um, I, I c- kept finding myself thinking as I was reading the story, um, what impact uh, could this have had or continue to have on the Trump administration's foreign policy with people from these countries? If you scratch my back, I will scratch your back. It's very common in policy making in the political world. Um, and if they in de- indeed helped win an election um, and, and that's not been determined yet, certainly they would expect something in return. I think you're on to something, which I think is nobody's talking about as, um, as kind of the essence of this meeting. It was the political play, pay, payback, if you will. Yeah. Um, you, you, you helped us during the campaign. So we know, for example, Saudi Arabia, you got this little problem with Qatar, mm-hmm. Qatar, whatever you call it. I never know which is the correct pronunciation. Well, the Saudis helped us. Sorry, didn't, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to side with Saudi Arabia in mm-hmm. our foreign policy. Mm-hmm. So you've got that dimension. You also have the business Obviously. dimension. Obviously. Right? Obviously. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're the Trump organization, which Trump Jr. still uh, works for uh, as senior executive and Trump Sr. still owns. Um, 
has expressed interest in developing in those countries repeatedly. Um, yet last week, after Ivanka Trump uh, was at the opening of the new embassy in Jerusalem, a video was circulating of her before the campaign expressing her desire to do some development uh, work for the Trump organization uh, in Jerusalem. And so uh, <laughs> when you help us win elections, uh, and in fact, on one of the um, uh, meetings was a specialist in social media uh, influencing the, the way social media can influence elections. When you help us, can we uh, expect some type of assistance in our political and, to your point, business dealings in the future? All of these are questions that have not yet been answered, but people are already asking. Uh, there are um, there have been reports of several cases where um, representatives of foreign governments have come in to meet with Jared Kushner mm -hmm. in the White House. Yeah, and after those meetings, there suddenly end up business deals with those people and the Trump Organization or with the Kushner companies. Because you got to remember, right. you know, the other big real estate mogul, right, in mm -hmm. New York who inherited the thing like Donald did from his father, is Jared Kushner, the right. son-in-law. Right. So you, we mentioned Qatar. And um, Qatar, which is sort of been isolated by the other Arab nations, mm -hmm. well, Qatar's trying to get back in the good sure. graces of the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, last week it was announced that the this Kushner companies that have this big property on Madison Avenue in New mm -hmm. York, where there's this huge mortgage is due right. and they can't pay it, Cutter has just put about $300 million into this project. Yeah, and I mean... Whoa, what a coincidence. Exactly, but not really at all. Obviously, you're being <laughs> yeah, sarcastic, yeah. but this, is, this should be of real concern, even to many of the Americans who... Uh, loved the fact that Trump was a businessman and bringing all these business people into the White House. Uh, there, there was fear that bi personal business dealings that could benefit the Trump family and their associates could be the foundation for policy making in the future that impacts not just American citizens, but people around the world, especially in regions where there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of conflict, there's a lot of need for human rights uh, advocacy um, that could be influenced um, or shaped by uh, the funding and business dealings and support from governments um, that that it seems like people are engaged in. And it's just so fascinating because one of the main uh, critiques of Hillary Clinton was that the Clinton Foundation was in bed with sketchy governments because they were taking so much money from them, allegedly. Right, um, right. That was a regular argument from the, uh, from the Trump campaign and Trump world. And here we are now with similar concerns. Right. Uh, Eugene Scott with us here from the uh, Washington Post. The fix, the fix, uh, which you find, if you go to WashingtonPost.com, you can just oh, yeah, you'll follow see through to the... Yeah. To, to, to the, um, with, so does this mean, do you believe that um, Donald... J J what, first, let me back up. The news of the second meeting, it was pure coincidence perhaps, but came on the heels just a couple of days not earlier. Not even a week. Not even a week mm -hmm. of the release of the transcripts of the first meeting yeah. by the Senate Intelligence Committee yeah. where we saw um, uh, Donald Trump um, talking about he made this call afterwards to this block number he couldn't remember. Right. 
who right. that block number may have been. Right, right. And there, Any guesses? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are um, obvious concerns that the block number could be the president himself. And one of the main questions uh, lawmakers had was, did the president know about this meeting in Russia? And uh, we, it's, it's fair to believe and guess that Trump Jr. will perhaps have to testify about these new meetings. Um, mm -hmm. And there will be concern about whether or not the president knew about those. Now, when you see an article about Trump Jr. having meetings uh, Sunday morning coming a couple of days after testimony about some another Trump Jr. meeting. The first question I probably had is, are there more meetings? Did sure. Trump Jr. meet with more people who could help influence um, the election uh, in terms of providing right. possible right. information about Hillary Clinton? Um, because right now we know it happened at least two times. Yeah, right. There, I'd be surprised if there were not. I, I, just, it's a, I think it's a fair well, bet. I, if I were a betting man, I'd bet. Listen, just like Rudy Giuliani said that Donald Trump probably paid off more women than Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal. That's what his personal that, lawyer said. That's what his personal lawyer on said. On cable television. Yes. He said, if necessary. I mean, so, right. So, And clearly they thought it was necessary uh, before. <laughs> right. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. So so does this mean that uh, do you believe that um, Donald Trump might be in the crosshairs of Robert Mueller, Donald Trump Jr.? Uh, if he's not, like, why wouldn't he be? I mean, these are very concerning things. Um, and he's a central player. He's a very central player. I mean, he is uh, uh, a top advisor on the campaign um, currently in, for 2020 and for 2016, um, a uh, you know, senior VP at Trump Organization, and we have seen with Michael Cohen um, that these investigations are far-reaching and far-sweeping. It's not just, um, uh, you know, individuals in the White House currently, but the business dealings, because it's all a web. It's all been overlapping um, in ways that, you know, quite frankly, could have been avoidable. Um, and uh, it, it would, when, when, why would not Trump Jr. be under... Um, uh, if either investigation or at least in in um the crosshairs of this this inspection and these uh findings he's from got, he's got to be he gotta has be. to be ba based but, on that. All right, now this broke yesterday morning, and I'm not sure it broke while you were still there. <laughs> it broke while I was uh sitting on the in on the set that someone else it looks like could very well end up be right in the middle of this. And that he's been on the periphery for a while, but his name keeps popping up, Roger Stone. And Roger Stone did say yesterday he's prepared to be indicted. He sort of feels that 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 other shoe is going to drop any minute, right? They got so he might be diabolical, but he's not dumb. He sees what's happening. Here. Oh yeah, they're closing in. I think on. Don't you believe on Roger Stone? Well, I mean, that's what it seems, and I, and and Roger Stone has said things <laughs> at times that would would are are incredibly concerning, and has just crossed the line or got really close to it that um uh would put him in a position that would lead Mueller to say that something is here. 
Um, and I mean, just from some of his quotes himself. Um, and, and this is someone that Trump also elevated pretty early, you know, um, yeah. pointed to as a top advisor. They've had a very public love-hate relationship since then, going back and forth. But the fact of the matter is, at he's, one level, he was very involved in the campaign. Oh, yeah. And he's still close to Trump. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, neither one would say whether he left or he was fired, probably, probably, but he still talks to Trump and he's still It's funny watching close. them go back and forth about how yeah. recently they've talked, but no yeah. one will say, we don't talk. Right. Yeah. And last week, Mueller did issue two subpoenas against Roger Stone's social media consultant, Jared yeah. Sullivan, from Southern California. Yeah. So, again, yeah. it looks like they may be closing in. And I remember, um, as you do, too, during the campaign, Roger Stone at one time said, you know, no, no, keep your eye on John Podesta because we're going to be hearing about him uh, in a few days or something. And then, what do you know, WikiLeaks suddenly right. starts releasing the emails of John Podesta. So yeah. Stone had some there was a connections lack of, with WikiLeaks for sure. Abs- I mean, absolutely. There was a lack of discretion. That happened multiple times, and he yeah. has since uh, given more information that uh, com- communicates that he clearly was in communication with folks from that world. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, The other thing we talked about and is still going on is now uh, because Donald Trump is demanding the Department of Justice investigate. He claims that they planted a spy. FBI got a guy to work in his campaign was a spy for the FBI. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we saw when when uh, Trump put that information out that um, the FBI planted a spy, which is not actually what happened. Um, there was no plant of a spy. Um, we all knew that the next step was perhaps Trump to demand that Jeff Sessions investigate uh, the FBI or this situation, especially considering how vocal Trump has been against the FBI for the last yeah. several months. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, the whole organization, really. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not um, uncommon for the FBI to use its sources and its uh, individuals to gather intelligence um, from campaigns when they see something concerning. Um, I think the bigger question uh, many Americans have or should have is why were people like Carter Page, uh, George uh, Papadopoulos, Papadopoulos, allowed to get so close uh, to the campaign, considering um, the very real concerns about their background and their relationships with Russia? Russia and other other governments. And I think that's what the FBI was hoping to figure out. Yeah. And I, again, I said this earlier, but I, I just keep coming back to it because to me, what's so important here is the now the confirmation that during the 2016 campaign, the FBI believed there was possible criminal activity between some people in the Trump campaign and Russians. They didn't know about these other meetings at the time. And Russians to get dirt on Hillary Clinton, to, in other words, enable them to influence or to get involved in a American presidential campaign, which is illegal. Right. And, I th- and they heard about this. Um, they um, started looking into it, and they found out Papadopoulos had had these meetings in London with the Australian ambassador. Right. Right. Anyway, that's I still find that such a weird connection, right? Yeah, I, it, but it was like it, it appeared to be like a random encounter, right? Yeah. In a they, bar, they met, and then he said, "Hey, we ought to have drinks, yeah. and, or whatever." And then, yeah. and they got drunk together, and Papadopoulos is saying, "Oh man, this is, we got something great. We got Russians running to us with all this dirt on Hillary." And this so, sounds like the best people to me. 
Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, I think the question that many so, Americans so they were looking, but but just finish yeah, mind. please. They were so they were investigating the the Trump campaign at the same time they were investigating the Clinton yeah. campaign, and we knew about one, we didn't know about right. the other. Right, which is why I mean, not even to go on a pivot, but which is why so many people from the left are uh, still upset with Comey. And I'm one of them. Right. And and, yes. and and understandably so, right? Yeah. And so He made a decision to keep one secret and to and to make the other one public. Yeah. And so um and and I think what the American people who care about truth and justice have to ask themselves, period, isn't uh getting caught up in the partisanship of it all. And they should ask if the FBI saw something concerning, something illegal, uh, what was it? What was it? Instead of buying into right. the witch hunt, instead yeah. of yeah. buying into I'm still upset because you didn't treat Hillary the same way, if there was something that these individuals were involved in that was alarming and concerning and a threat to the American uh, public, um, we, we should know about it. And, right. and I think in time we will. But the, but I, I, I maybe push back a little bit to, to you on the reason I think the political aspect of it is important is because I believe— that knowing Hillary Clinton was under investigation by the FBI was hurt her campaign. Sure, it influenced her campaign. Sure, some, when when every article about your candidacy somewhere in the article mm. there's a paragraph about she's under criminal investigation by the FBI. Fair, Fair. right? Fair, especially now, when uh, the truth should have been. Uh, both candidates the two nominees, are. which are both under investigation by exactly. the FBI. Exactly. I wonder if that so, would have happened. What would turnout have been? No, uh, like period. Yeah, like. And what would the outcome have been? You because, have to because ask too. we yeah. know there are yeah. people who came out more than anything. Not everybody, but there were people who came out more than anything to be anti-Hillary because they were concerned about her criminality. Um, when you see a headline like that, I wonder how many people would have voted, period. I also know there were, you know, I haven't done a poll, but enough anecdotal stuff. There were swing voters, some swing voters, who knows how many, who might weren't sure where they were going to go. But the fact that on October 28, mm -hmm. James Comey reopened the criminal investigation into Hillary's emails, that flipped them to say, okay, well right. then, I'm not going to. Right. Absolutely. Now, had it come out that they were both their investigation, I think it would have had it would have had some influence. And Comey made that decision to, to release, reveal one and not reveal the other, which gets me to the point. I think Donald Trump, instead of attacking the FBI, should have said, I'm here, I'm in the White House because the FBI helped me out. I mean, like, <laughs> like he... <laughs> it's it's true, and it's really interesting to have seen, and I've written about this before, um, to see a president go from so, like, pro-law enforcement uh, during the campaign yeah, yeah. to, like, now he's so <laughs> critical of them. I'm like, the attacks that, that he is lodging at the FBI almost seem like some of the same, coming from the same playbook as, you know, some of the more radical leftist attacks on uh, law enforcement. But... Um, yeah, he he's the law and order candidate, but like doesn't like the FBI, doesn't seem to have the best relationship with his attorney general, and is constantly criticizing the Justice Department. Um, it it's it's confusing. It'll so be he demanded yesterday. This was aimed right at demand at Jeff Sessions. Yeah, yeah. His his attorney general, right at Jeff Sessions, demanded that they open an investigation into this spy business. Rod Rosenstein, the acting AG, comes out 
and said, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll just, our inspector general is already conducting an investigation into the FBI's role in the 2016. We'll add that to the list of things he's going to look into. That's not exactly a special investigation. Will that be enough to get Trump off their back? Probably not. I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, why would he? I like, like right. any, anything short of uh, this investigation is over. There's no collusion. Nothing was wrong. Trump rightly won the election, and it's the best president that America and the rest of the world has ever seen. Anything short of that uh, will likely continue to get pushback from uh, the president. But this is still happening, and this is still ongoing. And I think one of his arguments um, was that this investigation has taken so long, and it's been more than a year, oh, yeah. and yeah. nothing has yeah. still been found. Um, individuals not really familiar with how investigations work may buy into that, but investigations can take years years. Investigations can take years. And I think what people who are more likely to believe that the investigation is a witch hunt, and we have polling that says most Republicans do, um, should pay more attention to just the new information that they are finding. It's not like nothing new is coming out. Like, I mean, we literally know. I, I had forgotten that the Ken Starr investigation took six years. Like, that's important to remember. Years. Yes. That's yes. important to remember. And, and Mueller has already... Uh, filed more charges against more people in one year than Ken Starr did in six years. There, there, and it took him six years to get to to well where he ended up, right, right with the right, Monica Lewinsky right. stuff. But and 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 we we still have more to go. Clearly, so it's it's one year now. Rudy Giuliani says, "You and I are maybe going to have to find another job because it's all going to be over by September one." That's what he said. But, I mean, the president himself <laughs> <laughs> has said that Giuliani gets his facts wrong. Um, yeah, and right. and uh, just Well, he's learning on the job. He's learning on the job. And pretty soon he'll be, yeah, he'll be up to speed. Yeah, you know, this is not a job um, that we, we tend to think people should learn on, uh, being the personal lawyer for the president of the United States who's facing, uh, um, you know, personal uh, accusations and lawsuits um, for regarding his involvement in possible campaign finance violations and on and on and on. Like you would generally want someone who who knows what to say and what not to say and not to uh, say things like the investigation is going to end before I know for sure. Right. If, of course, he had the big if. The if was if Donald Trump sits down with Robert Mueller, then it will be over by September one. Now, Rudy, at the same time, of course, is advising Donald Trump not to sit down with right. Robert Mueller. So right. he's sort of undercutting his own case. So are you a lawyer? I am not. Well, you know, I was thinking about that this morning. It's too bad because, boy, this is – Donald Trump has been really good for the legal profession, right? I, he must love lawyers because he hires so many of them. I was reading this morning um, – And he hires so many of them because, as you pointed out, he's got so much so – much, Legal jeopardy. No, it's it's true. I was reading this morning about uh, the Republican National Committee, I believe it's in the New York Times, um, has spent maybe, no, actually, I'm pretty sure that was the Washington Post. I should be Ooh, careful with that. Oh, careful. I should be yeah. careful with that. Um, uh, spent about about half a, mil, uh, half a billion dollars on uh, legal uh, fees in term, to a specific firm that I believe has been representing Hope Hicks. Um, there are countless individuals in the White mm. House and affiliated with it who have um, hired personal attorneys. Um, because but you said the RNC has paid their yeah. legal fees? 
Yeah, I believe it's it's I, I just I tweeted yeah. it right on my way in here <laughs> um, because of just the role that. Uh, yeah, it actually was the Washington Post. All right. Uh, Michelle Lee. Um, and it is the RNC paid nearly half a million dollars to law firm representing Hope Hicks and others in the Russia investigation. And we already know that much of this money is uh, being used, is being taken from donations to the RNC. Last year, the RNC began tapping a pool of money stockpiled for election recounts and other legal matters to pay mm. the ballooning legal fees of Trump and his associates drawn into the Russia investigations. And so... When people donate to the RNC, yeah. um, these major gifts and and more importantly, these grassroots donations, significant amounts of that are going to defend um, people affiliated with Trump world uh, involved in these uh, investigations. Wow. I didn't realize. You know, that that's news to me. I hadn't seen that article yet. But also, these are people who are writing these checks to help Republicans win elections. That's yeah. really what it's right. That's what they want to do. That's but what they want to do. They're going, to, know, it's going to lawyers. It should know that that money is being diverted to lawyers to defend Trump staffers. From possibly doing something illegal and harmful to the United States of America. Right. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, differ. think about that check you're writing. I mean, if that's what you want to support, <laughs> that's what you want to support. But uh, So my advice is... Um, not that that many of our listeners and viewers would be tempted to do so, but if you are, do not write any, do not give any money to the Republican National Committee. Okay, you should check it out. It's on. That's uh, pretty safe. Pretty safe advice here. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So Peter, t- do you hear I, me? I, I was I was on the website about to make a huge donation. That's, that's to the why RNC I wanted to. Thank that's goodness why I, wonder, I heard this. That's why I glad I told you about thank that you, article. Okay, time to uh, take a quick break. Um, Eugene Scott stays with us here as a friend of Bill from the Washington Post. Zach Beecham will be joining us down the road here from Vox, uh, and we'll get into uh, whether or not will there, in fact, be a summit on June 12. Uh, hmm, starting to look uh, a little less likely. It's the Bill Press Show, Monday, May 21. Quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back with the Bill Press Show on this Monday, May 21. Uh, wrapping up the day with uh, Eugene Scott here from the Washington Post as a, a friend of Bill. And we are coming to you live from Washington, D.C., brought to you today by the United Steelworkers and their international president, uh, Leo Girard, a great friend, great labor leader, and great members of the United Steelworkers Union, the USW. North America's largest industrial union representing over 1.2 million active and retired members. Check out their website at usw.org. Eugene, before we uh, get back into the uh, news of the day, uh, Zach Beecham will be along from Vox uh, shortly. Uh, Uber is uh, (coughs) getting him here as we speak. A little problems there with the connection. Um, But... um, People commenting on the news is not just you and me with our opinions, Eugene. We've got uh, Peter. We are, yeah. We are on Twitter at BP Show, mm-hmm. at BP Show. Bill, I have to say, you, you admitted that the uh, wedding? you didn't go out of your way to watch no, the royal wedding, but you did watch some of it, and I you did. were impressed by it. I was. That was the same with me. I, I was. I, we were there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, right? I, yeah. I probably saw it both in the same way. Yeah. I, w- I got... Um, I was awoken by text from my brother, had no plans to watch it, watched it, and was surprised at how into it I was. Well, yeah. uh, one, of our, one of our viewers this morning, William Ralston, Ralston, says, 
I'm surprised to see Bill Press sucking up to the monarchy, which props <laughs> up, which props up privilege and patronage and corrupt society. Yeah. So <laughs> I said before, I'm not what... defending the monarchy. Yeah. All I'm saying is they know how to pull off pageantry. They're in pomp and circumstance. They do it better than we do. Uh, Maggie says, Bill, I woke up early, so I tuned in, and I was also pleasantly surprised, especially by Bishop Curry. He was amazing. Great. I wrote about him. It was amazing. Oh. I mean, in, in, in my piece at The Fix, you should check out, I think one of the things I was most taken back by and moved by, um, I thought his message on love uh, was, was clearly bigger than romantic. Um, yeah, and it was about yeah, the yeah. need for love in society, and and that was so very important. Last week was a really hard week. Every from from the the killings uh, in Jerusalem uh, starting Monday to the school shooting Friday, and yeah. just yeah. constant drama um, and disagreement in in Washington every single day of last week. Um, the the desire, the need to find common ground, and he, him talking about the power of that, I thought was amazing. Uh, one other, so there one, we go. One right. other, one other comment from someone who who took note of your your uh, oh, royal coverage oh, just God. says, "Down with the crown, Bill. <laughs> Down with the crown." <laughs> uh, and on that story, I, by the way, I agree with that too. <laughs> sure, not a defender of the royal family. One, one other comment on a different Jesus. story about Man. the uh, <laughs> the donating to the right. RNC. Uh, oh yes, KG oh. says. Uh, red hats, the MAGA hats, of course. Red hats are donating to the fund for lawyers. For Trump's team of criminals, this is precious. <laughs> Which, like, you think you're donating to a political cause? It turns out you're helping criminals yeah. be criminals. I, I, I wonder at this point because um, it's not it's not breaking news that the RNC has been using money to help fund lawyers. But I wonder at this point how many people giving to the RNC know that because our um, the news we consume is so partisan right now. I mean, I'm pretty sure Fox and France is not reporting that the RNC is using yeah. ha nearly half a billion dollars to pay lawyers. No. Um, and and I wonder, I ask, I wonder if people knew that, would they still give? I, I think that's a very, very good point. And I don't think it... Many, the majority of Trump supporters know that. And again, there are a lot of different reasons why people voted for Donald mm -hmm. Trump, right? Mm -hmm. We've mm -hmm. talked about them a lot. But one of the reasons is that some of them either hide behind or actually truly believe is government waste is too much of a problem. The government spends too much money on frivolous things. They want to, quote unquote, drain the swamp. If they knew that this is where the money was going... If they knew that this is how the Republican Party is being run, they'd lose their minds. Like this, this to some giver, some donors would count as waste. Yeah, right, and not 100%. the not the best use of funds. But I mean, we're so partisan and tribalistic yeah. right now that as long as you don't like my enemies, I like you, kind of thing. Or as long, that's yeah, did I say that right? But you get it. Yeah, I, I got uh, it. Yeah, got that's it, it though. That's you what know, I'm um, just thinking. Maybe do you think in their next fundraising letter they're going to say? Send us money so we can pay lawyers in Washington. They would say lawyers the Dems have sent to attack us <laughs> right. and uh, keep us from making America great. Right? <laughs> there yeah. you go. Uh, so um, Rex Tillerson went away, but not that far away. He gave a big no. speech at uh, Virginia Military Institute last week where he had some interesting things to say um, um, based, without mentioning anybody's name. <laughs> No, but I think people heard it the way that um, you would hear something like that, the comments like that. 
and that he intended it too. Yeah, right? yeah. Do you have the quote or uh, no? He's demeaning or moaning the lack of um, civility, basically civility and uh, integrity in poli- American politics today. Yeah. No. Uh, again, he didn't mention any name. He did not. But he. This is the man who <clears throat> called Donald Trump an effing moron. After Allegedly. One he didn't deny it. He didn't deny it. I will not dignify that question with a response. <laughs> right. But so. Um, but yeah, he, he, he talked he, about a crisis of ethics. Yeah. Right. Ethics. In American politics. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder. I, I would be interested. I don't know. I, I given uh, Tillerson's relationship with the press, um, I'm not expecting a big, you know, post-Trump administration interview sit down from him. But I I would be interested in, like, self-reflection in terms of what role he played in creating this crisis of ethics. Yeah. I I would like to—I'd be interested in asking him, look, you were there, dude, you know, and this was going on. It's a fair question. rude and crude when you were there, and what did you say at the time? Yeah. What what did you say? I mean, um, how did you try to push this White House and this administration towards a more ethical— um, direction and, and and I haven't I didn't see any evidence of it and so I hadn't I heard of any no yeah no. and that other comment it, whether he made it or not I think he probably did but he said it privately to friends it was not you know he was never publicly critic never public that I can recall ever publicly criticized or broke with or right. anything the it's, president and, of the and, United States and that's one of the main criticisms of Tillerson of John Kelly of all of these men who go out. Uh, Publicly and speaking about ethics and moral and uh, behavior and um, and uh, who you you wonder how many of those conversations uh, are happening in the Oval Office about the issues that many Americans see happening there. Right. Um, the, talk about you mentioned breaking news. Talk about breaking news this morning. The Hill uh, has a big story this morning that there is increasing speculation. Uh, that Justice Anthony Kennedy mm-hmm. is thinking of stepping down at the end of this term. We heard some of that last year, right. but um, according to The Hill, it is really ramped up now. What can we expect? Uh, we can expect uh, just rumors to fly and the names of uh, <laughs> shortlist that conservatives would love um, to see replace Kennedy or any judge if that happens. But... Uh, uh, I don't know what his age is. I don't think he's the oldest member of the bench anymore. But um, but would he, I mean, is his goal, would his goal just to be get out of there knowing that if he retires now or resigns now that Donald Trump could uh, name his replacement? Well, I would imagine that is what uh, many conservatives would want because so many conservatives, yeah. especially religious conservatives, uh, backed Trump because they wanted to see uh, the courts nationally as a whole move in a more conservative direction, which the president has delivered on. Um, and uh, there, you know, I mean, there could be some concern that this president may not make it to the end of four years or may not see four after that. And, um, they're, they're, they will want to do what they need to do to make sure that they can keep the courts moving in the direction well, they want. Let me tell you, it's the one issue in which I agree with evangelicals, mm-hmm. 
which is that the number one reason for voting for president of the United States is the Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to shape legacy. You want to shape law. I, I saw RBG this weekend. Uh, which oh, you did? That it, documentary? Yeah, oh, it, God, it, I really want to see you gotta it. you got to see it. Um, on E Street, E Street Cinema. E Street Cinema. Um, yeah, oh, it was it oh, was a, oh, it was yeah. amazing, and um, it talked about the impact that uh, Ginsburg was able to have on law related to issues related to women and uh, employment and society and public policy over like four decades. And so um, you're right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a big issue to vote on. In- indeed. Eugene Scott with the here is a friend of Bill, and now we are joined by, as we have uh, been telling you, Zach Beecham here from Vox, who covers particularly, um, not exclusively, but particularly uh, foreign affairs, foreign policy for Vox. Vox. Zach, it's great to see you. Hey, great to see you, you too, Bill. Glad you made it in. Thanks. It was sorry, a disaster. Have, uh, I understand. Yeah. It sorry, happens. Sorry, little trouble. So um, we, Gene and I have been waiting to get here because we're very excited to find out whether or not, is there going to be a summit? Yes or no? You know, we're totally up at this point, right? And that's, that's just a few weeks away. And we still have no idea whether or not they have anything to talk about. At Are this you point. surprised though that it got it, that it got to this point, considering the players involved? Oh no, no, no. exactly, no, no, no. Like this, it, there was always clear from the beginning that there was a disagreement over what the talks would be about. Yeah. So Trump wanted it to be about North Korea giving up its nuclear weapons, and then we'll talk about giving you some stuff. Yeah. North Korea. Never wanted that. They were never going to give up their weapons. It seems very clear to me that what they wanted was recognition from the United States that they were a nuclear power. And they Mm -hmm. were willing to maybe, you know, give some minor concessions, maybe even some significant ones like limits on its ballistic missile program in exchange for basically saying, "Okay, you can keep your nukes. Yeah. Trump was never going to agree to that. This was all sort of papered over by the South Korean president who really wanted there to be negotiations because he really did not want a war mm-hmm. between the two sides. And so he was doing yeah. whatever he can to flatter and cajole and encourage these two people to sit down. But now, and Moon tried really hard to, to not get in the situation, but now he's stuck in it. He's meeting Trump tomorrow and he has to explain why it looks like everything is falling apart. But you know? Donald Trump really, really does want a summit, doesn't he? He totally. He wants to show that he is the deal maker, that he's the guy who could solve the North Korea crisis when nobody, and especially not Barack Obama. Right, and, and, and therefore possibly eligible for a Nobel Peace Prize. He did. You know, yeah. I, I saw a thread from a South Korean professor today. Well, he's a British professor in South Korea. Um, and he said... Everyone in South Korea knows that that was designed to flatter Trump, and they all think it's ridiculous, the notion that he could be up for a Nobel. And then so their president floated it first, and they were all like, okay, come on, he's obviously, this is a negotiating gambit. And then we started taking it seriously in the Western press. And we've seen reports in the Western press about how important flattery has been with this administration in terms of getting any type of progress. I have to tell you. I hope this summit happens because it is going to be the photo op of our lifetime. Mm. The, these two egomaniacs mm. playing to the cameras, right? They're going to be. I, Donald Trump would be pushing Kim Jong Un aside, so he he is a better shot. Kim Jong Un would be pushing him. But both the two men with the worst hair on the entire planet. <laughs> I have to say, I mean, I know the, 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 getting the two of them together will be 
worth the price of admission. I, I think it has revealed, and I mean, you could speak to this with more uh, insight, just how little this this Trump White House seems to know about this issue in terms of global affairs and the history of North Korea and South Korea and what it is that they really want, what they're willing to do, what they're not willing to do, and the impact that could have on other players. Yeah, it's... The president didn't come in with any fixed understanding of policy on the, on the Korean Peninsula right. or any understanding at all of the yeah. Korean Peninsula. And therefore no worldview about it. Right. And no sense of the objectives he wanted to accomplish, as you just described, and no sense of what the tools that would be necessary to accomplish those set of objectives if he were to come up with them. Or he doesn't really know how, why North Korea policy was the way that it was in the past, which was not, nobody liked the outcomes that we were getting, but it seems like the least bad kind of right. thing. Uh, so, uh, a little time with you and lots of uh, areas, of hot spots of the world to cover. Hit me, hit I want to jump into uh, Secretary of State, we have to call him now, George Pomp- uh, Mike Pompeo. I was like, who's is, that? Yeah, Mike, <laughs> Mike Pompeo making a big uh, speech today. Supposedly, he's going to unveil our plan B after pulling out of the Iran nuclear accords. I didn't know we had a plan B. We didn't have a plan B. Do we now? Uh, who knows? We'll, we'll see what he says. We'll see. My guess is the plan is just going to be doing a lot like what they've been doing right now, like convincing the Europeans not to invest, maybe trying to reopen negotiations um, to strengthen to get a better deal. He says it's going to be a deal. bigger, from what we've seen, a bigger and a better plan. Uh, well, we've heard that before, yeah. right? After the power, pulling out of the Paris Accords, we were going yeah. to replace it with a bigger and a better deal. Well, yeah. Yeah. Nothing's happened. And I think it's really important, I mean, the timing of all of this to consider what incentive does North Korea have to enter into a plan and enter into an agreement with the United States, given um, how we've responded to the Iran nuclear agreement. Right. There's been a sense among observers that there's a linkage between those two things, right? It's hard to say how much North Korea thinks that, you know, that's just the U.S. and Iran and whether okay, or not they fair. might be different. Like, making specific guesses about how what the North Korean leadership is thinking is always very, very difficult. Right. Um, but I can't imagine it helps is the yeah. way that I would put it. Fair. There's no reason to believe that scrapping this deal and coming up with, honestly, there isn't, he's going to present something, right? There's going to be some kind of policy in the speech. It will not represent a satisfactory replacement for an agreement that put hard and continuing limits on North Korea's nuclear program and now may be fatally undermined by the Trump administration pulling out. Look, so, I, I realize I could be a, probably attacked as a traitor for saying this, but I would understand why people in North Korea, leaders in North Korea, would look at the United States. Um, we, okay, we want them to make a deal with us, and yet we made a deal in Paris and pulled out of it. One administration, and the next one pulls out. We made a deal in Iran for the Iran nuclear deal, and we pulled out of that. So they they can legitimately say, can we trust the United States to stand behind any deal we make? I think that's the fair question. And how yeah. long will this deal last? And right. when uh, post midterm elections and if there's a, something else happening in 2020, like what are the long term implications of getting into an agreement with this White House? But uh, to Zach's point, like we don't always know what these top leaders in North Korea are thinking. Um, but these are fair questions. It's a fair question. And then you compound that. Zach, with John Bolton saying we're going to follow the Libyan model in North Korea. Hmm. 
I don't think that's very uh, comforting to Kim Jong-un. No. What happened, <laughs> no. What happened to Muammar Gaddafi? Yeah. So, so uh, in, in, no, it's the worst possible thing you could say. In 2003, um, <laughs> Libya agreed to give up its nuclear program, which was nothing like North Korea's. It was right. very limited yeah, early stages. And, yeah. yeah, North Korea has roughly 60 weapons, or up to 60 weapons, according to a U.S. government estimate, from last summer. So we're not even close to one weapon in the Libyan case. But so they agree, we'll give them up. When this rudimentary program wasn't going anywhere anyway, we might as well get better relations with the U.S. and Mm -hmm. cooperate with the war on terror and maybe not get attacked by the Bush administration. Well, flash forward to the Obama administration, and when Gaddafi starts murdering his own people after the Arab Spring uprising, the Obama team intervenes in the war, turns the tide of the Libyan civil war that erupted out of this conflict, and Gaddafi gets killed. And not only does he get killed, he is tortured on videotape yeah. and you can watch it. I've right. watched it and yeah. I would, I'm not going to describe the details because sure. it's really vicious. Right. I'd strongly recommend you not watch it if you don't have to professionally, but dictators do. Mm-hmm. Vladimir Putin reportedly, according to you know, one person I spoke to, after it came out, he just kept hitting refresh on the video and watching the same thing because what it shows is the results, if you let Western interventionism run unchecked from their point of view, mm-hmm. and if you put too much faith and trust in the West, they will betray you because their sense of values are, from our point of view, this is noble. Um, they're, they're with the people. They're not with the leadership, right? Like when you start murdering your own people, we take a different view of you, even if there are past agreements. But right. for dictators, murdering your own people is just you know something you yeah, do to stay in power. That's what dictators do. Right. Yeah. And so... That whole model, that understanding, ship out your nuclear program and we won't attack you, just doesn't seem very credible at this point. And I don't know why North Korea would possibly agree to give up weapons that theoretically could hit the American homeland, which create a significant deterrent, right? in exchange for nothing, just a promise. Uh, President Trump's promise, more specifically. Right. right. What do they want, North Korea? North Korea wants... Um, they want an end to their pariah status. Mm-hmm. They want recognition. Yeah, really. Like yeah. the countries, this is an underappreciated thing in international relations. It's difficult to explain. Um, but leaders are, are a lot like people. They want their country to be recognized as a great and powerful nation mm-hmm. in the way that people, you want, you want respect from mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. people in your life, right? They, that's how they see it just sort of transposed onto their country. And in North Korea's case, they want a sense that, I mean, they want tangible things like sanctions, reductions, and so on. But what they expect to get out of this most fundamentally is a sense of acceptance and recognition as a country that that you can sit down with, that you can talk to, that participates in high-level dialogues with the United States like a normal country, that has a nuclear program and is respected by the United States, which comes to it as an equal Mm -hmm. seeking to come to some kind of deal rather than you know, these multilateral negotiations where everyone is pushing against North Korea and it's clear that this is like the world trying to manage a rogue state problem. And trade deals with what with South South Korea or with China or with us? Well, my my guess is what they would want would be a relaxation of UN sanctions that have been Mm -hmm. imposed recently Mm -hmm. over there. Which would enable them to do more. Yeah. Yeah, to to export more. Because one Kim Jong un is, is interesting as a leader in the sense that his approach has been a combination of what we would call liberalization on the economic front, uh, you know, letting people actually own a degree of their own businesses and uh, encouraging entrepreneurship and uh, hardcore crackdowns 
on free speech and on political dissent, even beyond what his already hyper-repressive father was doing. Right. So China, actually, under Xi Jinping, is fairly similar. Right. Um, and But much less vicious and repressive, though still vicious and repressive. Putting that together, you've got a guy who definitely would like to have these trade deals, but he also has no interest in compromising the fundamentals of the Kim regime. And from their point of view, giving up the nuclear program, given how much their military strategy be, has come yeah. to revolve around it, it, it would be, yeah. Gene, you mentioned a little earlier, and we haven't really had a chance to talk about it. Zach, get your take on the um, re the opening of the new embassy uh, in Jerusalem. Any lasting impact uh, in the region? Certainly not everybody was happy to, to see it. Yeah. I mean, there's... 60 people who are not going to be around in the region anymore after they were killed after. in the protests. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's geopolitically, it's, it's difficult to say. Um, the issue was already aflame, the Israeli-Palestinian issue. There had been these protests, demonstrations at the fence going on for months now. The question is whether the stepped up protests that we got as a result of the embassy thing. Now, Israel's defenders will tell you this had nothing to do with the embassy. Of course it did. That's why so many people came out on this day as opposed to other days where the protests were timed. Right. Right. While the protests had been ongoing, the reason they were so big and so many people were killed and injured is because so many more people turned out as a result of the embassy mm -hmm, move. Mm -hmm. So the question is whether the casualty count leads to an escalation in clashes at the border that people are even angrier about what happened and that leads to a sort of cycle that that escalates into something more serious over the course of the long run um we we, well, we can't be sure it, about that isn't it safe to say let's even without taking sides that if any other country on the planet had shot and used live ammunition against unarmed protesters we would be the first to condemn it uh yeah probably although under this administration who knows <laughs> Again, yeah. because they're... I mean, imagine if Cuba, yeah. Cuba yeah. had done this, or Venezuela. Yeah. Ha has there been an official White House response to those yeah. those deaths? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and Israel has a right to defend itself. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it's striking, actually. That was it, right? Yeah. Quote, unquote. Yeah. Uh, they said this twice. They said this in the press briefing right afterwards. Right. And then Nikki Haley said the same thing sure. at a UN speech. She even walked out mm -hmm. when the Palestinian representative... Yes, that's absolutely right. right. And we, we also saw... Uh, Jared Kushner referred to during the actual ceremony yeah. referred to what was happening outside um, as being brought upon themselves. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's and that the administration's considered view. And this is different from even the George W. Bush administration, which had a very justified pro-Israel reputation. Right? They, they're giving Israel a blank check. Their policy is they can do what they want. They're defending themselves against a terrorist group. And that's that. We are on their side. And that's it. And that, that I think, is the other perhaps mm -hmm. lasting lesson of this episode and one that could have consequences well, down the line. Whatever BB wants, BB gets. Gene Scott, Washington Post, friend of Bill. Thank you so Thanks much for, for being me. here all day. And Zach Beach, we're glad you made it, man. Oh, yeah. At oh, Fox. Me too. Fox.com. Have a this great day, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. The Bill Press Show. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. 
Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.